beverage happens to be one area that we have uh, put up quite a bit of uh, CapEx behind and we believe in it. So, hey guys, uh, welcome to Wine, Whiskey and Weed Show. I'm here with Megan Anderson. She's the director of wholesale for one of the, you know, I think uh, uh, leading companies in Michigan who's, you know, developing uh, retail and dispensaries. And we'll just learn more about wholesale development, which is really, you know, uh, making sure that your products are depleting, you know, you are onboarding your dispensaries well. And then uh, we'll just uh, have Megan introduce herself. Uh, Megan, thanks for coming to the show. Uh, why don't you just give us a little bit of introduction to our audience as well on what your role is and, you know, about the company as well, please. Sure. Thank you, Sid. Uh, my name is Megan Anderson. I am the director of wholesale at Highway Horticulture. Uh, we're based out of Marshall, Michigan. We're a vertically integrated cannabis so cultivator, uh, processor, wholesaler, and we do have a small retail footprint in Cassopolis, Michigan. So my role primarily involves uh, developing our retail relationships and bringing uh, can winning cannabis brands and developing our own cannabis brands for the Michigan market and then growing the category uh, within those retail partnerships and uh, also educating and, and advocating for cannabis. Got it. So if I had to, you know, really uh, put a KPIs around your role, right, just to understand black and white, which are the five things that you are being measured on or you have to do, you know, what, what are those? Could you just walk us over your KPIs? Yeah, absolutely. So we're highly focused on uh, establishing our brand targets. So our so that would include your retail number of dispensaries. We're looking to okay. penetrate with our brands, which has a lot to do with um, how we segment our account base. Got so uh, we're segmenting in that way. Um, so I'm hitting those retail distribution points and revenue. So I'm responsible for revenue. As we know, it's a highly sensitive and volatile market in Michigan. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of work that's done to maintain uh, those revenue targets and, mar and markups. I'm also responsible for the brand growth. Mm -hmm. So that's not only recruiting the brand and making sure that partnership is structured to uh, lead to a number one to number three uh, position in the Michigan market. Uh, so I'm doing quite a bit of work on the field on the field side. So merchandising and field marketing activity. I also see that oversee that for our partnerships, just to make sure that we're uh, seeing the you know getting those distribution points and then making them sticky for our partners. Understood. So uh, how is your team structured? Like you have a sales manager and sales team, uh, or you are sort of the sales manager as well. And and what you know, just give me a little bit of dynamics of your yeah. team. Yeah, absolutely. So we're we're pretty flat right now because we're new. We just started uh, selling product with our part one of our partners. Uh, it is a tablet company called 1906. They're a plant based experience company. Um, so we just went to market with them, and I'm, I had the the pleasure of meeting and working with the lovely Jim Belushi. And we have his branded market, and our trade samples will be ready to go out next week. And we're hosting mm -hmm. a, a large concert and cannabis festival in Niles, Michigan on August 20th. Uh, so my team is structured around uh, right now myself and one brand manager, but mm -hmm. the genesis of that really goes back to what we just talked about. So as the brands come online and the retail footprint grows, uh, we'll be right behind that, expanding the team appropriately for that coverage. Some of my brands. And some of my brand partners bring their own sales and marketing team to complement ours, which is a great help to the business as well. Got it. So, so when you say, you know, you have a portfolio of some other third party brands, obviously that, that means that unit is for just the wholesale, you know, so you have your own things and then you have other brands that you work for uh, retail distribution as well. Right. That's correct. Uh, is there, you know, I'm just trying to get context from the wine and beer industry. Like there is a, you know, for a wine wholesaler or a beer wholesaler, there is a whole portfolio sort of a management, right? So 
you have some uh, door openers like you have some big names that will just open some accounts for you you have a profit contributor you know whereas you're building so are there any portfolio thesis that you you know you're trying to work to building your portfolio as a wholesale company well, I'm so glad you asked that because beverage happens to be one area that we have uh, put up quite a bit of uh, capex behind, and we believe in it. So uh, most of my uh, current agreements, I'm not able to discuss yet because we're still under NDA. Like I said, we're very new, mm-hmm. um, but you will see a, a award-winning portfolio of brands from us in the context that we want to we want to make great products for great partners mm-hmm. and help grow them. Many of those will be crossovers from alcohol beverage. So, mm-hmm. which is really, which is really exciting and interesting. And then we're going to make our own as well when those opportunities arise and there's a need that we can meet. And when it and are there sense. some like contextual? Uh, I mean, there, there are strategical uh, decisions that you've made because you want to play on the Miller or Bud Network or something or whatever the strengths are. Are you really thinking about the current distribution setup and then deciding your product? Yeah, it's. I'm so glad that you asked that. It's a little too complex to to think that far ahead in the cannabis oh. game, especially in Michigan, mostly because we are separated from transport. So in oh, Michigan, okay. you actually aren't the last mile. There's a secure transport company that has to take it from your location and deliver it. And there's oh, I did not know that. So you cannot yeah. own a truck yourself as a wholesaler? That is correct. We cannot. Wow. Okay. So even if, let's say, Burke Beverage had to distribute, they cannot. They have to set up a different company with a whatever different license. They're not even allowed to have any ownership of it. It has to be a completely oh. separate organization. Yeah. So uh, it's a very, in that regard, if most most if I brought one of my guys up from Andrews distributing, you yeah, know, yeah. to come in and, and hang out or GLI, you know, they would they would flip on their heads. They'd be like, how how do you possibly do this? How True. do you take another company that's independent of yours and make logistics yeah. work in an industry where it's already expensive to drive around mm-hmm. and deliver anything? And there's a lot of compliance challenges. So in Michigan, uh, you know, the retail network, and rightfully so, can return a product back to the back to the processor for you know really any reason so and, oh, with, wow. all the, and with all the changing rules all the time one dispensary so even if the product is not moving let's say after 30 days dispensary can say hey pick this up back and legally you have to pick it up that's correct yes wow all right uh what about the terms you know let's let's go on some details which people don't know in the wine and beer space. let's say I, I don't know like in alcohol in new jersey and all states are different, right? So, for example, in New Jersey, if a retailer doesn't pay in 30 days, you can put them on a red notice and then they have to buy on COD, right? So are there any laws protecting wholesalers here? Um, Some states? For, for cannabis, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, not that I'm aware of. It's actually okay. it's very interesting that you say that. What, what we've found is there's been so much, uh, you see a lot of innovation in this space. Let me say that. It, I would say anything... I came in from alcohol beverage from an established organization, you know, from Boston beer. And I really quickly and was advised and took the advice to forget you were in Alcabev for a minute, Mm. because Mm. just to get to the shelf, it's so, it's so challenging. Right. And then, and then when I started inquiring about payment terms, right. I'm like, you know, an alcohol beverage, I'm pretty sure in most States, it's like COD, right? You pay and then you yeah, take especially the beer was COD. Yeah, I know. Now, when I went, the interesting thing about Alkbev though is when you go upstream, and I went to started working in the hops industry. It's not like that. Everybody makes the product without actually paying for a lot of the ingredients for like many many days, and it got very volatile in the hops industry, if you recall, in uh, 2017, 2018, uh, because because of that. I mean, basically. Mm-hmm. 
you had a, an explosion of growth in the industry. A lot of people started planting more hops. You can translate a lot of this to cannabis. Supply began to exceed demand. You had cultivars and farms that weren't necessarily producing to GMP standards because the it, hops didn't require that. And I see a lot of that translate into cannabis, right? You got There's it. So much supply. There's not a lot of GMP. I've been, you know. Uh, so as a, as, a, as a wholesaler, let's say, right, you're building your book for example, I don't know if, if that's how it works, but uh, you know, uh, what advice would you give brand owners when they're having a meeting with you? And because they're also looking for wholesalers, right? They, they, I'm sure you must be approached by some brands that, hey, would you represent my product and so on, right? Yes, so yes. what are the tips that you may have for brand owners that here's, here's what I would want as a wholesaler? Like, this is what I want in your deck, you know, to be instead of your romantic story, for example. Yes, you know? yeah, exactly. The brand story is important, but in this business, I always advise uh, brands before we talk, like to come with your unit economics. I want to see yeah. what it costs to actually produce your product because- Why do you want to see that, for example, if you know already your your cost and your dispensary cost would be enough for you, right? Well, it doesn't really work like that. So okay. I have to be able to produce the product first. I, it really works backwards off that you're what you know you can achieve at retail price. And because retail price compression is occurring as we speak, we anticipate another 33% in decline in pricing in Michigan. Oh. I mean, it's it's severe, right? There may be retailers that can't actually even withstand there will be a lot of uh, consolidation. At so you prefer level. transparency of their cost of goods, what markups they are working on and so when on. You're, because we're on the processing side and we're producing Got the it. product, absolutely. You have to have that aspect first. Now on the wholesale side, it's about how with the stickiness of the brand. So do Got you it. have do you want to add overlay? I would advise that you do if you want to grow a brand. In a, in a what market. does that mean? What is an overlay? having your own uh, field sales and marketing team okay. that can complement our team. That was like alcohol beverage, right? At Boston mm. Beer, we were integrated into the distributor. And even mm. though we couldn't key the orders, we were out selling. So you, you would like a supplier who tells you that, hey, I'll, I'll help you with one rep in the market, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And then ex expenses to get your brand off the ground. You'd be surprised or maybe not of how many brands I talk to that don't have a, a market activation budget. So mm. being prepared to go to market, you know, what does your bud tender experience look like? Are you giving trade samples to your bud tenders? Some brands still don't do that because it's expensive and you're giving product away for free, you know? So that, there's a lot of those uh, components of growth. However, I would say that because of the nature of where we're operating and the capital investments that we've made, I, I talk to mostly mature brands that already Got know it. So I would say for those, for those folks, I say, help us with your key learnings from other markets. Every cannabis market mm. is different, but there's some crossover. Tell us about who your customers are. Tell mm. us about what your launch went like the last time you did it. What did you learn? Because you're always mm -hmm. going to learn something. And uh, we, then we work together to create a launch sequencing process mm -hmm. that allows that brand to get into market because uh, we'll take cannabis beverage, for example, as a wholesaler, it can take months to get into market and you and that is because you have a lot of compliance you have to pass uh state shelf stability testing in michigan mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um in order to get to even get your product approved and and there's quite a few brands that haven't been able to achieve that because a lot of the processing facilities lack the gmp uh, practices to keep these products stable and so there's there's a there's all there's that aspect of it and it's costly so mm -hmm. even to get into market you know you're talking about tens of thousands of, of dollars per SKU. Do you do like contracts uh, like alcohol bev on performance, like where brands can take back, you know, uh, their 
their I mean brand, you know, and give it to some other wholesalers. Are our wholesalers protected? Uh, like how you know, in some states in our alcohol, they are franchise states and non-franchise. Yes. You know, just trying to understand. Not that mature yet. Uh, okay. There, there are individual contracts that you as a business are engaging with in another business. Understood. And uh, back on, you know, the market kickoff and those kind of things, just, you know, uh, to understand your language as a wholesaler for brands, you know, uh, break that down. Like what, what does that market kickoff look like, you know, and what is a good execution in the first, let's say, two weeks to roll out a brand? Yeah, absolutely. I'll use a real example of a partner yep. we're working with right now with a 1906. So they are a, a fast acting tablet. They were originally created as a, as a chocolate mm -hmm. uh, around the experience of love mm -hmm. and having love in your heart and love, you know, with others and, or with yourself, however you want. And then they decided, they, they looked at the numbers and they looked at the, the edible market for chocolate. And then they, they looked at the number that 8 billion prescriptions were written in the U S the prior year for, for pills, for tablets, mm. people prefer to take their experiences in that way. So first of all, you had a brand partner that understood the form factor they should be in to dominate in the market and to become number one to number three. So you, you want to, you want to understand your brand strategy to get there. Everyone's brand is going to be a little different in how they get there. But with mm -hmm. these guys, their process is all around engaging the bud tender getting the mm -hmm. bud tender to sell that experience to, to know because it's not a high dose product mm -hmm. or between 2.5 milligrams and five milligrams of THC and CBD per serving with other plant medicine. That's a different mm -hmm. sale than a legacy product with hundred milligrams of THC in a gummy. Right. So mm -hmm. I think it's really about where the category, where you play in your own segment. So mm -hmm. for me getting into the bud tender and doing an education, which is sampling them, going in and doing an, a staff education that these mm -hmm. 1906 has written a very a strong playbook for this. Then they have merchandising. So they actually do come in and work directly with the retailer to make sure we have that visible mm -hmm. uh, shelf space, you know, and again, it's not live product. So you can be very creative in that way and you can draw mm -hmm. an opportunity in a retail environment or even in an online menu, right. To have an experience mm -hmm. to, to, to educate, to engage. Um, and what I also liked that, that I would just say, and this might just be my own personal anecdote, I'll have to look at the data in a year and tell you if this was the reason, mm -hmm. but they started with a sample size, a trial experience, if you will, and then went to their next upgrade. Mm. So it was a very, in my opinion, very retailer friendly, dispensary mm. friendly. So what, look at all the value you're getting yeah. and I'm not, and I'm not asking you to cut me these giant checks when I don't know you i don't know that's, your that's a good point i think you make you yeah. know because ultimately you know in alcohol we've learned that put the liquid in the mouth as much as you can right like just first first month put it you know <laughs> just let let people just taste it let, let it go out count the mouths basically right yeah, so yeah i think that's a good way to start small so dispensaries can write a small check and then try you out and that, that that's a good point there uh what have you seen you know i've been hearing this that engaging butt tender is the best Everyone's just, you know, understand that that is the game actually, because influencing the influencer, right? Like, what are some uh, things that you've seen? Like, apart apart from the basics, I've heard like which is giving samples for them to try at home or whatever it is, right? But what are some other things on how people can engage and uh, you know convince a bartender to sort of believe in your product? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's not just oh, about butt tender. I just said butt. Yeah, no, I, I heard you, and I was going to say but, but I wasn't going to correct you because I do it all the time. It's an Alcbev thing. We're going <laughs> to, you know, it's one of those things, and hopefully, this is the future of the bar. Yep. You know, my dream is that someday we can go into a regular bar and enjoy a cannabis beverage. I've been actually alcohol free almost a thousand days, so that would be wonderful wow. for me. 
Um, so yeah, I, uh, education is obviously at the core of my strategy because mm-hmm. it's beyond just brand education. What I've learned from my experiences, um, in my previous career was that it's about the entire base of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Becoming a certified Cicerone, for example, was really important to me actually being able to be good at my job as a salesperson. Mm-hmm. So that translates to all areas of service. So mm-hmm. by giving a bud tender access to a program that has like free industry education, free trade education, free resources. Got it. Um, so there are tools like we use a partner called Seed Talent. I think that they're, I, I love to, to talk about them because I, I think they're ahead of their years, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. the industry and with the amount of, of information that they provide. And then you can incentivize that learning. Here's the Mm -hmm. thing. You and I both know you can put as much product in the mouth that you want, but Mm -hmm. if you don't engage the person, it's really on them to want to desire more and be good at their job. And, and that's on those retail companies to build an environment that supports education and growth. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a two-way street. You know, I, this entire thing for me has been built on the back of collaborations Mm -hmm. because it's an expensive industry to participate in. So you can't build it all yourself. You have to go find partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've done that really successfully because a lot of us bring different industry expertise and relationships to the table that are all sort of in the ecosystem mm-hmm. of, of cannabis. So it, that plays really well. So for us, it's broader education, incentivizing and rewarding for that education. How about some free tickets to our cannabis festival mm-hmm. and then having those in-person events too. So we did have a private event with Jim Belushi, maybe 150 people, key retailers, and they just came in and heard him Mm -hmm. sing and tell some stories and talk about what his, why he wants to sell. Mm -hmm. And I can remember how impactful that was for me with the, the brand, uh, you know, with talking about Jim Cook from Boston beer, for example, that is powerful. Mm -hmm. And I see that that's also something I recommend for brands is if you, if your brand story is part of the uh, human, put that human in the market, have them go talk to and engage people because that relationship then for those bud tenders that are seeking uh, either those experiences or to elevate their career, we'll just continue to, to allow brands to have the opportunity to grow and be sticky because more consumers will get them in their hands to your point. That's true. That's true. I think you're trying to raise their bar as well. You're trying to empower them. You're trying to help them in their skills and you know all that stuff. I think one of the, one of the things which I really wanted to ask you was also some objections, right? Let's just play here where you know, I'll ask you some objections and how you handle or you would train your sales staff, right? So first one is uh, let's let's have this rapid uh, quick round where I would say I'm a dispensary and you are trying to sell me and I say you know uh, I think we don't have enough space. So Megan, over to you. What what's your go to that? Well, I would say, hey Sid, that's that's totally understandable. It's a really crowded category right now. Talk to me about how you prioritize um, your space. How do you decide what you're going to put in in a particular space and why? Tell me your strategy. Mm, good point. Yeah, we just go by data. I mean, this this kind of brownie sells and this category is not selling. So that's as per some data companies telling me that, right? So we just allocate our entire shelves as per the data. Yeah. So let's take a look at what's not working for you right now or what is and extrapolate that. So you could give me some examples then of a top performing brand and what have they done for you and what's in here right now that you wish it wasn't. And let's try to find a solution that brings uh, these top performing aspects into something lower. And I would love to show you some data of some opportunities in the category right now that are experiencing high growth that I haven't seen on your shelf, but is working really well in this area, in this region. Would that be of interest to you? Nice, Megan. Nice. Yes, for sure. What about, let's say we, we, uh, another thing, which I think would be coming was the price, right? Like I think we have, we have, a uh, you know, I think you, you guys are expensive than your competitor. 
how, how do you normally uh, go about that? So uh, much like Alkbev, it's then it goes back to why, how do you justify what are those proof points for your price? So if you're a premium product, it's typically because you're not just straight THC. There's probably some other element uh, of experience built into that or a premium ingredient. So you really are justifying your pricing. Again, it's very transparent it. and very basic. Well, in the industry. So, so it's yeah. like you, you, you focus on the quality and differentiate on the product itself, right? They just, yep. just the, the product and the brand experience and the support also, like the, the relationship that you have. You know, hey, this is a premium product. Like, I, like you know how we say, I, I'll deliver you a bottle as well if you run out of a wine, you know? So exactly, you can, right. you can go here for, what other here. objections are you seeing like mainly from dispensaries you know you know i'm sure like uh there must be more to it right so just give us three or four more great ones and then an answer for that as well please yeah well one of them right now is like too many of a certain category certain mm -hmm. categories are very over skewed uh you might have like cannabis flower or vape cards so i'm being told like oh if you were bringing me that i don't would want, say, don't oh, come yeah get yeah. out of here and I obviously do have those products. So what I would say to them then is, well, let's have a look again. Let's have a look at what's not working and figure out why. Mm. And within cannabis, just like beer, wine, and spirits, there are small indicators at the, at the product level that are discriminating of why a customer is buying something. Let's figure out why they're buying that. Are they not buying the cheap vape carts here? Mm -hmm. because it's, pro let's look at those products. Well, those are used with the, the least quality or uh, commodity, let's mm -hmm. say distillate versus this product, which is made using supercritical CO2 extraction, solventless extraction. It's true to plant. You're having reinfused terpenes. You're going to have a, a cleaner, longer high, a quicker high, meaning the product's going to last longer. So mm -hmm. even though it's a $60 vape pen, it, you're going to get three times the life of a $20 vape pen. And it's going to have a similar wouldn't it be nice if your $300 bottle of wine, could, you could save it and have a little bit every day for 30 days and it still tasted just as good with no oxidation, right? You'll see similar similar opportunities to educate in that realm as well. Mm -hmm. What other like things like, you know, what are your payment terms or all that also is a part of the equation or it's payment not competitive terms. yet? <laughs> you would, yeah, you would be, some, some of it's just like, are you sure you're going to have enough supply? <laughs> You know, okay. like things like that, because there, it really is so volatile, you know. I, Are there I, contracts between, like, if you don't fulfill supplies, you get penalties and all that? Uh, from a retail relationship. From the retail? Like, do, do dispensaries, uh, uh, you know, can they legally, or, or whatever way, you know, they, they harm, like, there is a penalty, you know, like, I ordered and you did not deliver. No. Not yet? Okay. Not so, yet. No. And unfortunately for brands, there's risk there. I, I would advise another brand, brands also do due diligence before you enter mm. a new state interview you need to understand the inside of these facilities and if how they're producing product and that they're doing it at a high quality level this is cpg mm. this is food grade and pharmaceutical grade manufacturing mm. and you look at that even on the beverage side sid these are non-alcoholic products things can grow in them that can make people ill well and yeah like, and that's an, and when pasteurization isn't part of the requirements of GMP, yeah, anybody can make a beverage. So I I'm looking at things like that also when I'm looking at brands, how they're made, how are they processed? Because uh, just like we found clean label was important in alcohol, and we wanted transparent labeling, will be there, uh, you know, eventually in cannabis as well. Good point. I think uh, anything else, Megan, you would want any tips uh, for you know brands trying to grow their wholesale business? Uh, any uh, suggestions you have for them to, you know, work with wholesalers, work with dispensaries. 
Yeah. I mean, I would just say that, uh, be flexible, mm-hmm. you know, come in and learn it, bring a lead brand and don't try to win in every segment. If you can bring a strong product in one segment and win mm-hmm. in that space, then you can expand because it's the risk is very high to do it, to do it other ways. And I think there's a lot of examples of how that has, has uh, deterred brands from growing at the rate they probably should have, especially we're on track to do 2 billion in Michigan plus this year, we did 167 million in sales last month, our second highest sales month ever as a state for cannabis. Wow. And it, a very, and the beverage category hasn't even started yet. So yep. we have a lot of upside here. I hope that you're, we're able to see you in Michigan and host you at some point, Sid, and take you around for, for an experience. Because I, I think as you see uh, the beverage category turn online and the consumption centers where you can actually now consume some of these products on site as well as events um, will be an opportunity to do that. I would also say that we saw last weekend in Michigan, the very first uh, event that had alcohol and cannabis consumption in the same event. Nice. They nice. weren't able to intermingle, of course, but they different were rooms. Yeah. So it's like different rooms. So what is the future of, of events now and, and how the cannabis plays a role as a that form in that what form factors I think is so fascinating and very exciting for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, this category looks promising for sure. I mean, because I think we all agree that this is uh, sort of a category which can bring the social element and the scale element. You know, just matter of this bottlenecks, which are their regulatory useless bottlenecks in some places, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, you got to think, I think about it like this is like the end of prohibition. I mean, the yeah. law's not that great yeah, when it, prohibition. It, 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 right? It's just that because it's now, you know, alcohol companies are trying to protect a few things and obviously the licenses and this, you know, all that stuff. But great, Megan. Uh, uh, I think we're pretty much done here, but appreciate your time. Absolutely. You know, uh, I think I, I agree with the fact that, you know, you say that having a one product and building, like how in our wine business, you know, or liquor business, it's like reputation. You want retailer to know that your product moves, right? You want them to know that you are the one you can trust and then bring me the other one, right? So Yes. Thank yeah. you for saying that. I'm glad you're reinforcing that idea and and grow and helping your uh your listeners and uh, the industry grow in that regard because I, I'm hundred percent in agreement with you. And I think that uh yeah, there's a bright future ahead. Super. So see you soon. Uh I think you're coming to you're not coming to SF, right? It's just Chicago. not SF. I'll see you in Chicago. Yeah, I'll see you then. I look forward to it. See you then, Megan. Thank yep, you for your care. time. Cheers. Yep, bye.